0: Hey everybody! What's going on? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid. Hopefully, you had an excellent Feast Week and won a lot of money, um, like we did on our bets. We didn't really win anything, but hey, I've been hot.
1: Here. Listen, I've been yeah.
0: hot. You've been on a roll. Yeah, yeah. Tim Daniel here, as always, with Taylor Burkfeld. Um, pretty excited. A lot to talk about. Getting ready as well for Big Ten ACC Challenge this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. So some games look forward to there, but we're going to recap real quick some of the happenings in Feast Week. And uh, I think the big thing really kind of jumps out. I know there's everything happened. We had buzzer beating upsets over top five teams. We had surprise teams winning, comp, winning their tournaments like Wisconsin, who we both predicted wouldn't last. And hmm. Iowa State, who won the preseason in IT, who we also predicted wouldn't last. And are now 19th in the country as of the poll that came out today. Right. Um, but overall, a very fun week, Taylor. Let's start with Kansas-Dayton. Obviously, probably the highlight of the of the week besides Duke and Zag, which we'll get into. Um, but really fun back and forth game that people were really surprised that D- Dayton hung in, myself included. Um, and obviously pull off the buzzer beater at the end, but a very big surprise win to start the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dayton loses at home to Lipscomb and UMass Lowell and then ends up beating Kansas in um, Orlando in the ESPN Classic. Yeah, I was uh, that was Friday. I was, I was doing some, I was cleaning some gutters and doing some work outside and literally like I came back in and it was a close game and I, I went back outside and then I came back in and it was like, can't Dayton was down one with the ball. And I'm like, Oh my God. And you know, they have a great drive at the rim gets blocked by McCormick. And then the guard on the wing kind of goes mid middle of the lane and throws up a, a nice little prayer that hits front of the rim back of the glass and right back in. So great reaction. I'm glad Dickie V was on the call. Yeah. Really awesome to kind of see him, you know, getting that call and kind of getting the moment early in the year. But yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of what feast week is about, It's about these teams that, that's what these MTEs and Feast Weeks are all about, really. The These teams can come in and play these games that, you know, a loss doesn't kill you, and you can kind of gain some experience from that. And Dayton seems to kind of uh, write, have right in the ship here after – uh even they, they ended up beating Belmont in the championship yesterday. So, you know, they're kind of on a roll now that they can kind of put those bad early losses behind them.
0: God, that's a long-ass tournament. If that mm-hmm. have, yeah. Because, yeah, Iona, Kansas was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously we'll get into Iona a little later because, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, but yeah, man, obviously a lot of fun. So really happy for those guys um, played really well. Had some wins down the stretch. I'm not really necessarily overwhelmed with Kansas at this point. I know there's some people who are like, you know, you shouldn't lose a Dayton. you probably shouldn't lose to Dayton. But like you said, this is what happens in these Orlando classics and things like that. So, you know, it's whatever. Um, good for them. You know, I think Kansas will be just fine. They got plenty of games to redeem themselves and, plenty of season to go. Right. 100%. Yeah. Um, Real quick, let's kind of jump a little bit and let's talk about Duke Gonzaga because obviously this is the game everyone wants to discuss. Um, Man, both teams are so good. Uh, Palo really was awesome in the first half and then obviously had some cramping issues in the second half where (laughs) he didn't play a whole lot. I think that happens. Do you have any concerns with that at all?
1: No, he must be the worst hydrated player in America. Cause I think this is like the second game where he's yeah. know, cramping issues, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The first half he was putting on a show. There was that transition where he um, got the rebound, crossed over Nimhart in the middle threw the alley up to Mark Williams. Then got it. And then Wendell Moore bringing it up the right side of the court. And he had three from, I mean, damn near the, the half court. And I mean, Gonzaga called a timeout. He was phenomenal. Um, it was 6'10", can handle the ball like that. He's kind of showing that he's already ready for the next level. And that preseason hype of him being the number one, number two pick is well warranted because he played really well. And so did that Duke team. Um, my question for you is, you know, Chet had some moments where he, you know, he got kind of got outmatched and kind of got put in his place, but I still think he ended up with a pretty good game. I mean, it's 16 points, eight of 13 from the field, it, you know, kind of where are you at with Chet? Are you still, are you still buying low or I guess, are you going to be selling your stock now? Or are you going to continue to just buy some on the dip now?
0: Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, i think chet definitely is the number two prospect Uh, and uh that game really even though he had his moments where lateral lateral movement wise he didn't look the best um but just the way he protects the rim uh his scoring ability i i really believe that you know i got to go back and say that like chet's the second prospect behind palo um this no disrespect to jalen duran or Jaden hardy or um any of those any of the other guys that are going down that list but Just the way he played in a big game like that, not to mention how he played against UCLA, just really kind of jumped his his stop up. I know a lot of people are talking about Drew Timmy, and rightfully so, Um, but when things got hard for Gonzaga in that that Duke game, uh, Chet made enough plays to kind of keep them in. But yeah, like you said, he did get put in his place a little bit, but I think the upside of a 7-2 guy who can score and protect the rim like that is just too hard to avoid.
1: Right, especially when you have another guy, National Player of the Year, front runner. I mean, maybe but alongside Palo and Timmy, you can kind of both, you can control the paint and score at will. My biggest concern slash fear for Gonzaga is the bench production. Yeah. Really, I mean, their starters are good enough to outblow out everybody, and they've done that all this year except for the Duke game. But you're looking at, you know, four minutes from Perry, 10 minutes or 21 from Watson, Nolan Hickman with 10 minutes and Hunter Salas off the bench with four minutes. You're looking at a combined seven points off the bench. Yeah. And then you're getting rough. 80, you're getting, you know, what is 76 or 75 from your starters, which is great when it's rolling. Um, but Gonzaga, you know, luckily they won't have to rely too much on their bench. Uh, bringing them along will make them better throughout the year. And I hope to see that Mark few will kind of get, especially Hickman and Salas, get them kind of in the fold. Um, Kind of switching here to Duke, you know, same thing. They only play three guys off the bench, Joey Baker, AJ Griffin, and Theo John. And Joey Baker's minutes probably were boosted up a little bit because of Palo's issue with the cramping. Yeah. But um AJ Griffin's a guy that's coming off an injury, kind of just slowly but surely getting him back. Um Theo John is perfect for this team, especially with Mark Williams. He's a guy that when Williams needs a few minutes of rest, you can bring Theo in to be aggressive and, you know, play some good defense and get some rebounds. But I'm pretty blown away with this Duke team. Um you know We've talked about it before. Mark Williams coming back is huge for them. He's a mm-hmm. guy that you can anchor alongside Paolo that can play inside the paint, protect the rim, allow Paolo to be out on the um, perimeter, kind of to attack in the rim and stuff that way. Trevor Keels has been phenomenal. Great shooter. Jeremy Roach is a really good college point guard, but the the key X-factor, big piece for me this year is Wendell Moore. Yeah, his to junior say. year, um, 6 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 7 of 10 from the line, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, 20 points. Like, I mean, bro, that's, that's a great stat line. And if you're getting 15 to 20 a night from him, they're going to be damn near impossible to beat. And, um, I mean, Moore with 20, Banchero with set, 21, Williams with 17, and Roach and Keels with 9 and 6. So, usually when you look at a Duke team with, like, say, a la Brandon Ingram, a la Jason Tatum, um... Jabari Parker, those teams usually have one scorer that the other guys kind of mold around. This team yeah. can get you from all angles. Um, Williams can get his in the post. Keels can get hot from three. Wendell Moore can just be that aggressive slasher that they need. And then you have arguably the number one pick just kind of doing its thing out there. So um, if you're a Duke fan, you know, number one team in the country as of this morning. So uh, it's, you know, looking pretty good here, especially you got a tough game tomorrow night in the Big Ten ACC, which we'll get to. But yeah, I'm pretty high on this Duke team as much as it pains me to say that. I, I, this is kind of what I feared, that you know, they're they're damn good and they're probably going to be around top of the rankings for the rest of the year. So,
0: <clears throat> Yeah, I'm all in on what Wendell Moore's doing. I think he's kind of moving himself back up into the draft boards. Um, I'm just kind of showing that stock that he has. And on the other end, like you said, just real quick with Gonzaga, <clears throat> you know, obviously not their best. I thought they played really well. I just think that they just got beat. But Saturday, they got a big game against Alabama. Like I said, it kind of have a chance to redeem themselves before they kind of get going. Um, So yeah, I think that it was a fun game. It was a fun game. It's really great non-con game. Um, Obviously, on the Coach K farewell tour, they they ran that a little too into the ground during the game uh, with Mark Few having his like I I miss I'm gonna miss competing against you and all that nonsense. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man, what can you do? It was a fun game, a fun night for them. Um, So let's kind of move real quick into Rick Pitino being back. And just curious your thoughts on the fact that Rick Patino, the greatest college basketball coach of all time, that, that was that was a shot, is back and doing his thing. Um, I know obviously they lost to Belmont in Kansas this week, but they beat Alabama. Uh, he took them to the tournament last year. They are six and two. Um couldn't tell you a whole lot about the guys they have on their roster except for like Tyson Jolly. But Quentin
1: Zelinski from Louisville. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: So but other than that. Year. How about that, man? Rick Pitino flexing again. He's back.
1: The, the Gales. Yeah. Um I, I love Rick Patino. I think his fundamental coaching too. is his defensive intensity, his pressure on the ball. Um, full court press. I love all that. the, the 2013 Louisville team, you know, they ran that to a T. They were damn they were really, really good. Um, yeah, I love what he's I doing thought they didn't Iowa. exist. <laughs> yeah. To Kentucky fans, they don't. To, yeah, I was there. I was in Atlanta, so I saw a game. Um, but yeah, I, I, love what they're doing. They beat Liberty at Liberty, um, you know, playing this tournament. They lose to Belmont or lose to Alabama yesterday, but that's a, you know, they beat, they beat Alabama or sorry, they beat Alabama, lose to Kansas. Excuse me. But that, I and mean, that's great. This is exactly what you want for that team. Get good that's competition.
0: 83 against Kansas.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, I don't know that the detriment to how bad Kansas is defensively or how good Patino has these guys coached up, but yeah, Iona. I mean, they're a staple in that conference. Patino made the tournament last year, like you mentioned. I think all signs are pointing to making the tournament again this year, especially with a tough non-conference. I think mm-hmm. Patino knows that challenging his team early will only make them better later. And I can promise Ryder and Niagara and Quinnipiac, all those teams are not doing the same thing. So I think if you're an Iona fan, which God bless you if you are, I think <laughs> most of us are just rooting for Rick Patino and I'd love to see him kind of get, a, you know, another crack and become a staple. Um, my question is, so say two makes tournament this year makes tournament next year or makes continue making the run. When does a power five school offer him? Or does he, does he want to a, and does a school offer him?
0: I'm of sure someone thoughts. does. Um, I'm sure someone's going to want that. You know, obviously the attention they're going to get the recruiting they're going to get. Cause I feel like he's done actually a fairly decent job putting that team together. As far mm-hmm. as like the recruiting trail. Um, he's got a good assistance. I'm honestly shocked. Jamal Mashburn jr. Did not end up there once he took the job when after Richard left Minnesota.
1: You think he followed him, right? The New Mexico. Yeah, he did. Yeah, what a weird concept.
0: Yeah, but um, I think that you know it's only a matter of time. It just kind of depends on who. I mean, uh, for once in history, and we're way too ahead into this, but it does seem like Indiana finally found the right guy in Mike Woodson. He's done a really good job. Um, maybe you know whatever happens with Laval Jordan at Butler, maybe that's one. Oh, that'd be so fun seeing him in the Big East. Um, yeah. you know. Again, not wishing for Laval Jordan to lose his job, just kind of using that as an example. Um, because I think, you know, I think most schools have their coach right now, except for, you know, like as far as like that like echelon of basketball programs. Um, so I don't know, man. I was kinda hoping he'd end up in Cincinnati, but Wes has been really good, so I'm cool with it. Um, but yeah, man, I think uh if he keeps doing what he's doing, they keep making the tournament, they get a couple big tournament wins, yeah, he'll be he'll be back at a power school.
1: Yeah, I don't really know if he wants to. I don't know if he's in that right post part of his career where it's like, Hey, I'm gonna do my, my thing at Iona, similar to like Jim Calhoun, even though he went division two and ended up just stepping down. But I don't I didn't know if even he looks,
0: know that he was coaching still. He was doing some I saw that.
1: Yeah, some Catholic school. Um and yeah. he just stepped down. But yeah, I could see Patino just kind of riding his ears out at Iona, just racking up wins and you know more about just coaching and for the love of it and where he's at. I thought when before Mike Anderson was hired at St. John's, he'd be a great fit there. Before Earl Grant was hired at Boston College, I thought he would be a good fit up there just with his ties to mm-hmm. the Northeast and being a Catholic school and um, things like that. I'm with you. I don't know if he fully answers the call, but I'm sure there'll be some phone calls, especially if he continues su- su- success at Iona. There's that reason like, hey, man, we might we might catch something here for a few years. And that's kind of all schools are looking for. Um, but, yeah, end of the day, I'm happy for Patino and I love seeing them being competitive. I mean, and really competitive, truly. So it's it'd be exciting to see how the rest of the year shapes up.
0: Yeah. Give me all of the Patino action. I want them on TV every night. Right. Like they play <laughs> Seton Hall on the 18th. Um, I'm going to be tuning in for that if I can. I'm going to find a way to watch that game because I, I just want to see it. I want to see him coach against power schools. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's go real quick. Let's talk about some of the big tournaments. Let's talk about Maui. Uh, we mentioned earlier somehow, some way or another, Wisconsin won this and we predicted them to lose in the first round. Um, I got, I hope we don't start getting the Wisconsin's back stuff because (laughs) they're the least exciting. They're least, they're less exciting than Virginia.
1: Johnny Davis is awesome.
0: Yeah. So, So
1: that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah. So Wisconsin wins Maui, obviously a shocker. Uh, when they beat Houston, I went, Oh God, they're gonna do this, aren't they? And they did that.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they like we said, we we game one, we were like they're gonna lose, and they were down 15 at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, this is great, like this yeah. is kind of exactly what we wanted, and ended up getting hot. That Houston game was over before it started, and then mm-hmm. in the second half, it they ran back, and Wisconsin barely hung on through the you know skin of their teeth. But um, the Maui was kind of under underwhelming. The field. it was, you know, Oregon gets trounced um by houston and then they lose to who did they lose to um it's bad bad podcasting but they lost in the second round i think they ended up playing houston? houston yeah or who did oregon lose to
0: uh crap who did they lose to because yeah notre dame lost to st mary's
1: st mary's it was st mary's oregon yes. lost to st mary's um and then it was houston trounced oregon so kind of a weird final of st mary's wisconsin not two of your um you know national powerhouses here on the on the, the top scale but it was a good game i think Wisconsin, you know, you can take things away from this, especially rolling into the Big Ten ACC challenge, which they have a decent matchup. I'm kind of mm-hmm. looking at now. Do they? Okay, not decent, but it's okay. They should win that as well. But nice momentum, a younger class that Greg Gard brought in. But uh, you know, I've I kind of we said it when our preview of the Maui and the battle for Atlantis. I was kind of down on Maui. Um, now luckily next year the the field for Maui That's is a lot better. I think I sent it to you. I'm pulling it up yeah. real quick. Yeah. It is. Um, I know Ohio I got State. Okay, good. Yeah.
0: It's uh Arkansas, Louisville, Arizona, Ohio State, Cincinnati, San Diego State, Creighton, and Texas Tech. Yeah. I like that's, it.
1: That's a lot better than what we just had. So
0: I'm sure it won't be difficult if they bring that back to Hawaii for me to convince my wife to travel to cover that.
1: <laughs> right. That'd be that'd be a hell of a trip. So yeah. Yeah, I think Maui, sometimes they get through this little stretch. I mean, a couple years ago, we got Kansas and Dayton in the finals. That game was rocking. Um, that game was great. So, but Maui's great. I love it when it's actually in Maui, not in Vegas. That gym being so small and all the teams are locked in there. It's, it's very fun to watch. The environment's rocking. So, hoping next year we get back to that, some sort of normalcy. But, yeah, that kind of does it for Maui. I'm very impressed with what I saw from Wisconsin. Chris Vogue didn't get a lot of run, but I, that's maybe a good thing. So, I think Chucky Hendricks and Johnny Davis, the two kids that they, the freshmen they have maybe taken a, take Wisconsin to the next level with how they played this past week.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, man. Um, so Coral let goes go to the battle for Atlantis as I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought Baylor played really well. Obviously they won it. Um, you know, I thought that the, the the matchups were good. Uh, I thought Michigan state what was it, their Friday game. Who was it? They played gosh, I had it on
1: um they played friday was with yukon
0: that's right yeah i thought that yeah. game was fun they played the um, old start yeah i thought it was and, a fun yeah i thought overall was a pretty fun tourney um but kind of taken back by uh the, the michigan state yukon upset was a shocker and then overall though you know baylor wins yet another championship hang another banner
1: impressively too uh, Brown, impressively. uh james akinjo Michael Mayer, I mean, or Mayer, this team is loaded. Um, Scott Drew has a, you know, another another chance to potentially win the national title. I don't know if they're fully there yet, but um, I really like this team. The Battle for Atlantis was fun. Yeah, they, the first they, the first day was um, Michigan State-Loyola. That was a great game. Yeah, that was the down first the game wire. Of the tournament. Yep, and then UConn and Auburn, which went <laughs> to double overtime. That was, a, you know, in the hundreds, which was kind of very fun to watch. Um, who has a VCU and... BCU beat somebody. And then it was Baylor beat Arizona state. Um, It was very fun to watch. I think, you know, it was the classic. And those games in the ballroom are so funny to me sometimes because you can tell when they shoot, you look at the top of the roof or the ceiling and it's, it's a ballroom with lights up there. So it's very, you know, very funny to watch that sometimes, but overall, I'm pretty impressed with UConn, their physical toughness. Um, Dan Hurley kind of has them rounded into shape already early in the year. Auburn looks really good. Jabari Smith looks like a great prospect for the oh, NBA. Man. Yeah. Um, Walker in. Kessler had some moments that were, you know, that you saw last year at North Carolina. He's still struggling to score the ball, which I would like to see him be a little better at that. But um, you know, then you continue with Baylor, like I said, James Akinjo, Michael Meyer, the Kendall Brown. This team can really fill it up on all levels. Arizona State really needed Marcus Bagley to come back. I think they kind of struggle without him this year. But yeah. Uh, a positive tournament that i was pretty excited to watch every day um you got any other takeaways other than baylor being kind of back in the national title picture
0: now that memphis has found guys that can play offense vcu is the memphis of old they are yeah. fourth in the country in defensive efficiency yep. and 238 58th in the country in offensive efficiency holy cow yeah, yeah so congratulations ridiculous. penny Your team got better even though you guys lost this weekend and someone took your role as the team that just does nothing but play defense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good to see that. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was... um, But overall, I mean, I really Mm. walked out of there. Um, I still like this Michigan State team. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, they're the second best defense in the country right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that defensively, they're going to be able to hang with them. I'm really excited to see them play Wednesday against Louisville. Um, I think Chris might be back for that game. He is. Yeah, so this would be the return of the Mac. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got to do <laughs> that. I like that. Everyone's gonna hate me for for me making that joke, but it's okay. Yeah, Max Christie was
1: great in that tournament, and, uh, yes. and so was Gabe Brown. I, I and uh Tyshawn Walker, the Northeastern transfer, the guard, he lit up Carolina last year in the Dean Dome. Um, he was he when he went into the portal, I was kind of hoping they would go after him if certain pieces went different ways. But I'm very impressed with this team. You know, they're kind of. They're a nice little core. Seven, eight, ten guys that play. Mm-hmm. That is a kind of interchangeable pieces. Um, I'm with you. Wednesday will be a good test for both of them because Louisville's coming off a tournament win in the Bahamas. They beat uh, Mississippi State and then they beat a Richmond or Maryland team in the um, Bahamas in a nice little win. So both teams are kind of gelling at the right time. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see them kind of come head to head because both are coming off a nice little feast week. So.
0: Yeah, man, I'm totally with you. Uh, let's talk real quick about the preseason NIT. This was the other big one. So Iowa State pulls off two shocking upsets, um, mm-hmm. first beating Xavier, where they were unbelievable. I mean, you can say what you want about Xavier and their depth issues in that game, and a bunch of guys being out because they weren't feeling well. Um, and that may be true, but I, that, that doesn't mean Iowa State wasn't going to miss shots, because they didn't miss shots. Right? Uh, they were awesome. Um, And then on the other end, Memphis-Virginia Tech, I thought was pretty decent, but Memphis obviously kind of taking that game. Uh, But the day two games I thought were much better, honestly, than those. um, Xavier against Virginia Tech. Um, I've got a lot of people who are in my mentions this week after I talked about um, Nate Johnson from Xavier. I am fully convinced. Could be a role player in the NBA as far as this catch and shoot three and D guy yep. shoots 44% defensive efficiencies. is there. a little older as a prospect, obviously. So I'm not saying he's going to get drafted, but I think he definitely has a pot. a skill set there.
1: Kind of reminds me of like a Michael Mulder from Kentucky. Yeah. A guy that kind of found an issue with the, with the Warriors, a guy that, like you said, wasn't drafted, ended up going the G League out. But if you can put, if you can shoot and play some defense and the teams will find some minutes for you, it might be 10, 12, 15 minutes a game, but they'll put you out there to, you know, to, to space the floor so I'm with you i was you know very impressed with iowa state especially on wednesday night um yeah the bar we went to had the xavier game on and i was like damn like they were just have an answer for every single one of xavier's runs and they were throwing it in from the ocean so i you know had that mindset being like well they're gonna get killed against memphis but you know the next night they they put memphis in the body bag and you text me saying memphis really needs a true point guard because you can't have a money trying to run the offense and also trying to look for get it looks for him right that's where it kind of gets ugly so um, I was really impressed with Iowa state in that game, you know, Memphis, like you said, very good defensive team, but you struggle to score the ball, you know, you put the ball in the hoop. You can't expect to win games 58, 54. So
0: I think just their biggest thing, like, like I was talking to you about, it's just that they just don't have like, I mean, Monty's awesome. No one's yeah. here is going to talk about the, you know, like, he's not the, he's not the guy that anyone wants him to be. Cause he certainly is, but it's just that they don't have like anyone really that can kind of lead the way um and kind of get you get them going so you know you're looking at next year i mean you're likely like we've talked about quite a bit Amani bates is likely going to be in memphis for two years just because mm-hmm. he can't enter the draft and nil money playing for penny hardaway is going to be perfect for him um right now the only person who's committed to play for memphis next year is another small forward Noah bachelor from the img academy mm-hmm. so i know they're in on a lot of guys and they're hunting and Uh, They got a lot of offers out there uh, as far as for point guards, especially guys like Dior Johnson, who just signed with Oregon, Sky Clark, Artero Morris. Um, The only guy who hasn't signed yet they really have an offer out is Austin Nunez, who has committed verbally to Arizona State. And I know, but so the point guard situation is going to be a little tough for them. Um, Hopefully they can get at least get a combo guard out there, but I'm not worried about them recruiting. It just might be a last minute surge like this year after the James Wiseman season right. or, you know, whoever they get in the tra- in the transfer portal. Um, but that's the one thing this team's missing because if they can get a point guard to get the ball to money and Jalen and Lester and all those guys, they're going to be pretty damn good. I thought Landers Nolly played really good, mm-hmm. uh, especially playing against, you know, Virginia Tech, his former team. Um, I thought he did really well for Memphis. But yeah, you know, when it came down to Iowa State just kind of found a way. They're ranked today. They're 19th in the country officially. Um, and their tournament was great. You know, uh, Gabe Kalshore, I always get his name wrong. He shot the lights out both games. He had 30 mm-hmm. points in the championship against Memphis. So give Iowa State credit. I think they played great. They uh, made the you know, they made the plays they needed to make. And I think I'm a little more higher on them than you are after our conversations we've had off air. Um, but I do think that this team could be pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think a good weekend doesn't mean it's going to result right. in them being ranked 19 the rest of the year. I still think they're a couple years away. Um, their coach from South, South Dakota State—I can't pronounce his last name, but I know who he is. Um, He—he's got the nice fundamentals. They're in a good system at South Dakota State. You know, he's a former guy that was on Hoyberg's staff at Iowa State, and so he knows how to get success at Iowa State. Um, I'm with you. I'd like to see this continue into Big 12 play. If it does, I wouldn't—I'd be very happy to eat my words. But I think they might struggle. I think a good weekend has them ranked a little higher than they should be. Makes I kind of want to touch on Virginia Tech here. I was really disappointed
0: Me with too.
1: their play this week. Um, when I got the news that, or when I saw the tweets that, you know, uh, Colby Jones, uh, Deontay Miles were out against that game, I expected, you know, Virginia Tech to kind of win pretty ha- pretty easily. But they were in a dogfight, you know, what was it 59, 58? Was it the final score?
0: Yeah, then Nate Johnson, a game winner.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you're playing against a team against two of their, down two of their starters, like, you need to capitalize on that. And Storm Murphy can only do so much. Kive Aluma was, you know, kind of a, a non-existent player this weekend. I just – I kind of expected more, especially from Mike Young, how good of a coach he is. But hats off to Xavier. I mean, that's a big win for them, especially with how they were, um, you know, out shorthanded, especially lost Fremantle, you know, cleared now to play, but didn't have him for this weekend. No Kobe Jones, no Deontay Miles, um, Nate Johnson with a 30 ball, you know, 30 of their team 59 is <laughs> pretty impressive. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that last shot he hit was pretty awesome.
1: That was nasty. Yeah,
0: so you know, I I still like the Xavier team. I still mm-hmm. think they're gonna be pretty Same. decent.
1: Yeah, I think um, they just ran into a hot shooting Iowa State team. So
0: yeah, it happened, especially this early in the year. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I was just about to be convinced on Cincinnati after the Arkansas game, and then Saturday happened, and I was like, <clears> all throat> right, throat> was, I'm back out.
1: That was ugly. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> my thoughts on that: the defensive principles are still there. Oh yeah, it was an ugly game. I think. Yes. Mikey Saunders had a great run against Illinois and Arkansas um, played mediocre to below average against Monmouth. The whole team did. So I think if you're a UC fan, the panic button isn't even close to being out because you have shown that you can play to the level of your competition. Now it's a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes you're going to be playing bottom of the barrel teams in the AAC um, that you might be in a dogfight for no reason. But when Houston and Memphis come to town, you might be able to kind of hang around for a little bit. I think Year one is establishing the principles and the identity of your team. And I think West Miller is doing a fantastic job so far.
0: Plus, I think this Monmouth team might be a pretty decent mid-major team. You know, they lost to Charlotte, but they've got guys who, I mean, obviously, you know, Walker Miller is kind of the guy that a lot of people look at, um, obviously having experience being a former Tar Heel. Um, Shavar Reynolds Jr., I mm-hmm. loved him at Seton Hall. Yep, uh, He's played really well there. Um Marcus McCleary, he's also a senior. He's played really well for them as well. He's a four-year guy there. Um, and obviously, you know, he didn't have his best game, but everyone knows him as the guy who had the steal against Kansas and the technical dunk when they were down 50. George mm-hmm. Pappas is still yep. there. Uh, did not have his best game against Cincinnati. But I, you know, they can shoot. They got a great coach. Um, yep.
1: King Rice, I, another Tar Heel.
0: Yeah, I could see them winning their conference. I could see them getting their, getting their one bid.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been that was the biggest thing is Hubert Davis wanted to hire um, King Rice as his associate head coach, kind of like a Juwan Howard, Phil Martelli and, you know, continuing that Mm -hmm. line of like first year coaches hiring those guys to be their mentor. But King Rice wanted to stay at Monmouth because he had a very talented team. And, you know, it's kind of hats off to him with the big win Saturday at Cincinnati. He's kind of getting the ball rolling on another year of making the uh, NCAA tournament. I, I think. You know, I think as a coach, he does very well. I'm surprised. He's, him and Tommy Amaker are guys that I'm always like, they should probably should get bigger jobs. But yeah, they kind of just find their niche where they're at and kind of just, you know, do their own thing. Um, like you said, if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I'm not panicking yet. Um, it's a bad loss, but, you know, it, it's a college basketball. It's a November loss, so you can learn from it and kind of regain.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, man. So let's kind of get through real quick. Obviously, this is the big, the big week. The big theme this week is... The Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, we got a couple games that are starting tonight. Well, uh, the day we're recording this on Monday, uh, we have Iowa Virginia tonight. Which two years ago I would have been all over. Mm-hmm. Tonight I'm kind of like eh, whatever. Uh, Keegan
1: Murray versus Jaden Gardner will be a good matchup. If you want to watch that instead of the Monday Night Football game, even though you're listening to this a day later, you should look. You should watch that instead of Seattle and Washington because that's a brutal game.
0: Yeah. But.
1: Keegan Murray has been phenomenal, averaging like 25 and 14 um, for Iowa, a team that still has Jordan Bohannon. Um, they did lose Frederick. They did lose Luca Garza. They did lose um,
0: – Check Nungi. Yep,
1: yeah, Nungi and Wieskamp. Sorry. So they lost a pretty good amount. But they still have the McCaffrey brothers. Um, I'm still higher on this Iowa team than probably most people are, but Virginia's defense is stifling. They can't score, but they don't allow you to score either. So, um, you know, kind of take that for how it is. It's kind of like watching paint dry when you watch, watch mm-hmm. Virginia basketball. But – I'm higher on Iowa tonight, but the second game is, you know, near and dear to your heart, especially with the news that broke today about Illinois. I don't know if you saw that.
0: No, it didn't happen. Mello
1: and Frazier are highly unlikely to play tonight.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Because Illinois they have, is minus five right now. so
1: Yeah, they have the flu. Like, they have the flu or some sickness. Let me pull it up, but kind of give a rundown of how your thoughts are on Notre Dame. Um, for those who don't know, Tim, Xavier, Xavier basketball fan, also Notre Dame fan as well,
0: but. um, Disappointed. Obviously, yeah. um, I thought they'd be better this year. You know, they're three and two to start the year, but you know, this they've lost to good teams. You know, they lost to St. Mary's and they lost to Texas AM. I thought they were better than AM, they should, you know, mm-hmm. on paper. Um, so I thought they should won that game. I just don't, mm-hmm. don't see how they have anyone that can stop Kofi tonight. I just I don't see it. I don't see it there when I watch this team. Um, you look at situations where they're gonna be throwing like um Nate Lazuski at him, I mm-hmm. don't think that's gonna get them anywhere. Um, maybe Paul Atkinson kind of gets more action against him as that 6'9", 230 kind of guy. But I just think that Illinois is just going to have too much for them. Even with those guys out, um, I think Kofi, and you know, it's obviously in Illinois and that's obviously a tough place to play. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. I'm not very excited about it. I think that Illinois is probably going to win pretty big.
1: I could see that as well. I I mean, both teams, the only positive is that Notre Dame can score, and Illinois' defense has been atrocious this year. So if you Mm -hmm. get into a track meet, hopefully Notre Dame can kind of have the last punch here. But if Illinois finds something on the defensive end to lock up Notre Dame, I think you're looking at a long night. So, But I kind of want to touch on the dominance of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Early in the beginning years, ACC was winning fairly easy. It's been Mm -hmm. seven of the last eight that the Big Ten has won. Yeah, And with how bad the ACC has been to start the 2022 season – I think we're looking at eight of nine for the big 10. I think the big 10 is in a perfect spot to win this again. Um, but so we'll kind of recap in Monday, you're going to be listening to this as the results come through. Do you have the big 10 going to zero, or do you have yep. the, you do so do yep. I. I think, I think <clears throat> Iowa wins and I think I'll take Illinois as well. I think Illinois and Notre Dame will be a better game than people suggest though.
0: Yeah. Tomorrow's the games that when it kind of gets fun, um, mm-hmm. Minnesota's five and zero. granted they haven't played anybody, but they're um,
1: playing the worst team.
0: Yes. They're playing Pitt. So I think, I think the Gophers get that one. Um, obviously I think Purdue smokes Florida state and then, yep. but the game I'm most excited about besides Duke Ohio state, which I know we'll kind of go more into detail, uh, Indiana Syracuse. I mentioned earlier, I think Mike Woodson's just done a tremendous job with the Hoosiers so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis has been really good. They're six and oh, um, you know, obviously they haven't played the toughest competition yet, but looking at how they played against Marshall Saturday, I was really impressed with them. And, um, so this is going to be a fun competition for them. Syracuse is not the Syracuse of old. I mean, they did take Auburn to the wire on Friday. But, you know, they've got losses to Colgate, to VCU. Um, so this isn't, you know...
1: The VCU game was the other game in the Battle for Atlantis that I forgot. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I'm with you. Their zone is getting picked apart. You know, you have uh, Joe Girard, you have Buddy Beheim, you have Cole Swider from Villanova that transferred there you know, not most physical guys on the perimeter. So some of these bigger guards and athletic guards can kind of get in the middle and create opportunities for their teammates, but they can score the ball. So I will be looking to watch that. Um, Tamar Bates and Buddy Bayheim going at each other. Trace Jackson Davis should have his way inside the zone, especially at the free throw line extended. He can kind of be that, that middle center piece that can kind of either, you know, mm-hmm. look to create his own shot or look to kick out to some shooters that Indiana has. I'm with you about being very intrigued about this game. I think that Syracuse can give them a good game and this would be a nice win for them to get to rally that, you know, rally into ACC play. But if they st- if they start, to l- if they lose this game, sorry, I think the Indiana hype is real. And I think the Syracuse panic button should be kind of hovering because if not, you're going to be
0: where you always are. coming come around
1: March and hover around the bubble. So,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, tomorrow night, the biggest game is Duke, Ohio State. Ohio State's obviously got the the Xavier loss, and they've got the Florida loss, which was a buzzer beater. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought they played fairly well in that game, and I just think they got beat. You know, That's kind of one of those things that we talked about. It's college basketball, and and in these tournaments, it happens. I know Ohio State fans are pissed that they lost to Florida again in a a basketball classic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a tradition unlike any other. Um, But this, for me, kind of comes down to how do Mark Williams and EJ Liddell handle each other? Because I think the guards will take care of themselves. I don't think Ohio State has anyone that's going to be able to hang with Paolo. Um, I love Zed Key, but if that's kind of like one of the guys they're trusting to kind of be, that's assignment. That's not a very good day for the Buckeyes. Um, even at a home in Columbus, they will actually have the, the crowd behind them, which is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you look at this team right now, and you look at guys like Justin Aarons, how do they match up with Wendell Moore Jr.? How You know, I think Duke obviously has the edges in the matchups. Mm-hmm. Where Ohio State's going to have their best chances, can E.J. Liddell get the upper hand on Mark Williams? I'm not 100% on that. Um, As a matter of fact, I'd say I'm less than 50% on it. Uh, Mark Williams has been a stud this year. I do like E.J. Liddell, though. Um, I think Liddell
1: does well against guys that aren't more athletic than he is. Right. Williams is a perfect opponent for him to be like, this is what he needs to work on if he's going to play at the next level.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just think Duke's going to win big. Um, I want to see the Buckeyes will get some big wins more. Um, You know, they play Kentucky later this month. I really want to see them kind of stack some wins. Obviously, for Xavier's uh, tournament bid, um, specifically if Xavier could get matched on Selection Sunday in Indianapolis, no pressure, Selection Committee. Um, We'd really appreciate it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Ohio State's got this last game before they they play Penn State and Wisconsin and Kentucky coming up. So you know, this is probably they probably need the in this game. I just can't see how they do.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you watch Friday night and think Duke is going to be anything but dominant in this game. Agreed. Um, Paolo looked phenomenal. Uh, like I mean, like we said ad, ad nauseum at the beginning of the pod. I just I think Ohio State can find something here. I think Holtman's a good enough coach to kind of get them locked in and um, to you know. Uh, they're going to be elite defensively offensively. They struggled at times to score the Xavier game comes to mind when, you know, they just didn't have any guards to, mm-hmm. to really attack their pressure. And I think Wendell Moore and Jeremy Roach are two great defensive guards that might give Ohio state fits. I don't know how, I think it'll be closer just because of the environment and, you know, that's worth a couple points, but I, I think Duke wins pretty easily by six to 10 points. So yeah, So let's kind of do our Tuesday recap. I'll, I'll say Minnesota over pit. Do you agree? I'll say actually Syracuse beats Indiana. I don't love it, but I I'm going to Indiana. Okay. Um, Clemson and Rutgers. I'll go Clemson. Rutgers has not impressed me really this year and Clemson looked good in the uh, Charleston classic. They did. Um, Florida state, Purdue, Purdue, easy, whatever number you want to lay Northwestern, wake forest. I'll go wake forest. I think Steve Forbes has done a pretty good job of getting guys to buy in there. And then I'll go Duke as well. I'm sure you will too.
0: Yeah. I think the only difference I have is Indiana.
1: Okay. Right. I think we're pretty there. And that leads us to the last day, which is Wednesday. Uh, We touched on it earlier. The uh, first game at 7 o'clock on ESPN is Louisville at Michigan State. Chris Mack is back. Louisville off their Bahamas championship. Michigan State after losing to Baylor in the Battle for Atlantis championship. Very excited to see this one. Um, East Lansing should be rocking. Louisville you know, kind of found something in the Bahamas. So excited to see Chris Mack back in Michigan State. Um, I still think Michigan State probably will end up winning but I think Louisville can give them a close game.
0: I do too. I think really, I think this is going to be kind of this game's Cause like starting five wise, I think they're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think
1: or Michigan State's depth might be a little.
0: Yeah, I do too. Like Gabe Brown compared to Noah Locke, I think will be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would, yeah, like you said, Michigan State, like Mason Faulkner plays the most minutes for Louisville um, off their bench besides um, L Ellis. Yep. And I like those two players. Um, I loved Mason, obviously at Northern. Got to know him a little bit there, so I want to see him do well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of when you look down the stretch, it's just Michigan State just has too many guys for them, and the way they play defense is way too good. Right. And I don't think the classic Chris Mack pack line defense is going to do much for him in this game.
1: No, I think Michigan State found something in the battle for Atlantis. I think they're kind of going do to get rolling here soon. So I'll go Michigan State there. I'll lean there. Uh, next game on tap: Nebraska at NC State. I don't have really much here. NC State's kind of. <laughs> been mediocre they lost manny bates which is a big loss for them i'll give nc state a win here just because i haven't been impressed at all with nebraska
0: me neither i do not like them at all
1: virginia tech and maryland both teams who have come off losses this past week maryland loses to louisville in the bahamas championship virginia tech goes for two in the preseason nit um kind of a get right game for both of these guys and i wouldn't say a must win but i think a team that you know, Virginia Tech's either gonna lose three in a row or Maryland's gonna lose two in a row. So I don't really have a side here. I think my gut probably tells me Maryland and the home team, but I wouldn't be surprised if Storm Murphy finds something here for Virginia Tech and kind of gets it rolling.
0: Yeah, I think I like Virginia Tech more than I like Maryland. Um obviously anything can happen when the when the when the when the, the ball's tipped, but I think the Hokies um they just lost the two teams that were pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. You know. Um I think Naheem Aline's gonna have to play much better, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I'll, get, I'll take Virginia Tech.
1: All right. I'll, I'll go Maryland just to kind of be different here. But Miami and Penn State, Miami's a team that kind of had a mediocre <laughs> Orlando championship. And Penn State, I don't know what to make about them. They took LSU to the wire um, in the, I forget where that tournament was at, but then they got beat by UMass by 25. So yeah, um, both teams I really aren't impressed with. I'll probably lean Penn State just because, or I'll probably lean Miami just because my ACC bias a little bit, but I like Miami's guards of Charlie Moore and Isaiah Wong a little bit better than what Penn State has to offer
0: yeah i just think cameron mcgusty is going to be way too much oh yeah he's i think a really good he's just, yeah i think he's just going to be way too much for penn state um so i'm going to take i'm going to take the hurricanes as well
1: okay and the last two wisconsin at georgia tech um, i'm going to take the maui champions over josh Passner. yeah just because i'm not really impressed with what georgia tech has done this year and then the i night just want
0: josh Passner to bring back the mask he wore last year that Unbelievable. Like, yeah face that's, shield. that's 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 the- what, that's his power
1: He's got the lamb chops and he's got the shield. That's kind of all he's got. He's the Michael Scott of college basketball. Yes. Yes. I love him. He's crazy. And then the nightcap, which is Michigan at North Carolina, nine o'clock ESPN Wednesday, December 1st, both teams need a win. North Carolina loses in the Mohegan sun um, to Purdue and then to Tennessee. Michigan loses to at home to Seton hall and then out in Vegas to Arizona in the Roman championship. So I'm very nervous. Ohio state or sorry, Ohio State North Carolina looked, um, Better defensively against UNC Asheville wasn't mm-hmm. much better, but better. Um, whereas Michigan is a good defensive team, but cannot score the basketball. Whereas North Carolina can score the basketball and can't stop anybody. So when it comes to offense versus defense, you know, one, both being one-sided, where do you usually lie? I mean, I know it's all about matchups, but where do you usually kind of put the line in the sand?
0: Um, In college basketball defense. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I just think that's kind of, that travels a little more than like in the NBA, it's definitely like.
1: Yeah, you can score. Yeah. You can score
0: right, uh, but yeah, in college ball here, I kind of lean towards that. But with that being said, I just kind of feel—I feel like with everything um, that was that's going on, you know, I don't know how much Hunter Dickinson and those guys are going to be able to play against Armando Bacot, and so,
1: so yeah, like I'll get in like the matchups there. That's what kind of excites me a little bit. I'm nervous still. I think Carolina is in the danger zone. They haven't had a ranked win against a top 25 opponent in like two years, which is fucking baffling for North Carolina yeah. to even say that out loud. But um, yeah, D- Dickinson versus Armando Baycott is two post players really, truly battling it out down there. Brady Manik is a guy that can kind of play all around the perimeter. Dawson Garcia creates a mismatch problem with whoever's on him. The guards, Caleb Love, he should be a good defensive guard. He's just not, I don't understand what the, he maybe not understands his assignments or maybe doesn't understand that, you know, people are just as quick as him or whatnot, but I think he relies too much on his athletic ability rather than getting in a defensive stance and guarding the ball. But my biggest thing is Caleb Houston, um, playing, going up against leaky black leaky back black is a great defender. Um, usually guards their best player. So I think if leaky can cause some frustration for Caleb Houston, um, you know, Michigan will have to rely on other guys to score for a team that kind of already struggles to do that. I, I think Eli Brooks is a guy that could get hot from three. Um, I can kind of see that kinda in my head right now. But overall, I think Carolina matches up well with Michigan. I think the home court advantage will give Carolina a slight advantage. I don't know what the line is going to be. Maybe I'd say if Carolina's favorite, it's no less than no more than two. And if Michigan's favorite, it's no more than one. So um, I'm gonna lean Carolina here, bias aside, even you know, obviously love my tar heels, but I think I think they can get it done, especially with how well Armada Baycott has been playing lately. I think a good game from Caleb Love and or um, Brady Manick is kind of needed, but I think Carolina has the pieces offensively to score.
0: Believe it or not, as someone who has shown to be very fond of Michigan basketball over the past few years, I also am taking the Tar Heels to win this yeah. game. Which means um, we're
1: cursed. We're doomed.
0: Yeah, yeah. If I take the Tar Heels, if you've listed yeah. in the years past, it's not good. Um, so I'm sorry. Um, in that case, I'll say the Wolverines win. Um, yeah, just, so, just for your sake. But when it comes down to, you know, our conference Dickinson, I thought, like we kind of talked about, those are kind of two big guys, you know, you mentioned Eli Brooks, who I like a lot. Um, but I think for me, I was kind of really looking more like who can facilitate their offense better between, uh, Caleb love and, um, Devontae Jones, obviously Jones is a senior transfer, mm-hmm. but I think love has done really well this year. His turnovers are down. He's getting about 4.2 assists a game. Um, and Jones is actually really, I mean, he's closer to three turnovers a game with his four assists. So I think Caleb loves just to be able to kind of get this ball spaced out a little more. And I think that's where Michigan kind of get like, kind of get be pretty bad. Um, here's the other question. Will Antoine Jameson be at this, be at the arena for this one? Cause it's because he's buddies with Juwan Howard.
1: I hope so. Um, he just got, um, just got honored for the whole basketball or national basketball hall of fame, right? Or
0: I think happened? so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so hopefully that, you know, get some publicity for him there as well as kind of go check in on a former guy, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I think Hubert Davis needs a big win. Um, kind of calling the ship right now, the message boards, which just like any other (laughs) site, they're they're cancerous and God bless. I mean, you get a lot of good info from there, but dude, there are people who spend way too much time there bashing 18 year old kids. Like, so I think Hubert Davis needs a big win. Jawan Howard is a guy that's proven already. He's a good coach. Um, he still needs a big win this year, but I think if, with how, big, how good the Big Ten is, I think he can lose to Wednesday night and still find a way to kind of create a niche here in the Big Ten. But as Hubert Davis, the ACC is down. Like, you know, Carolina's non conference opponents were Purdue, Tennessee, Michigan, UCLA. If they don't win Wednesday against Michigan, like, I don't know if they're beating UCLA in Vegas. So that's when I'm getting a little panicky. So, but I think it'll be an interesting game. It's kind of the nightcap on Wednesday. I still think the Big Ten is going to win the Big Ten ACC challenge, like I do always. Too. But, very excited for my game. Very nervous at the same time. So,
0: yeah. Also, um, big for both these conferences is they actually start conference play this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to kind of, yeah, you get a tough,
1: day. you get a tough big 10 ACC matchup. And then if you lose, you're like, you have to turn around and play your first conference game and hopefully you get a win. So somebody's looking at going o and two this week. Oh, and one in conference. Oh, and one in the big 10 ACC.
0: Yeah. So you hate to see it, but it's going to be fun. Um, I know I'm sure you're so overwhelmingly nervous about Georgia tech Sunday, aren't you? <laughs>
1: I'm, yes, honestly. <laughs> I have bet New Year's Eve, two years ago we lost there. A couple years ago we lost again there as, as well. Just bad vibes in that arena.
0: Yeah, I will be at um, Xavier Central Michigan Wednesday and Cincinnati Bryant on Sunday. That so, should be a good game, though, to be honest. So. Yeah, I'll be excited for it. Uh, but yeah, I think we've kind of touched on everything here. Um, we'll go, go real quick. We'll end the show with our All-Americans here on this week's version of At Large Bid. And I'm going to go with uh, one of the, the star of the. Um, I just had it up, and I, I do this every week. It seems like um, I'm going to go with the star of the of the preseason NIT from Iowa State. Uh, my guy, I just had this freaking yeah. Here we go. Thank you. Can phone. I'm going with my guy Gabe Kelscher with his big game. He had a 30 point game, obviously against Memphis to take it home. Um, not a guy people going to be talking about NBA draft boards by any means. We'll probably be a pro overseas or in the G League or something, but um, just an unbelievable we an unbelievable weekend in Brooklyn for him. So that's my guy.
1: Yep, mine's easy. Number one pick, Paolo Benchero, solidified himself Friday night. Awesome environment, awesome game. Felt like a Final Four game. He was elite. So excited to see what he does Tuesday night at Ohio State.
0: Me too. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Also, before we sign out of here, thank you for everything. We definitely appreciate everything you guys are bringing to us. We love doing these shows for each and every week. And um, by the way, Rick Pitino is back. So have a good night, everyone.
1: Yep. See you.